Amen. If you know this little chorus, sing it with me. <clears throat> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed through many dangers toils and snares I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will there sing it with me when we've been there ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. One more little chorus. God is so good. God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me, He saved my soul, sing it, He saved my soul, He saved my soul. He 
save my soul. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. Thank you, Lord. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. I love him so. I love him so. I love him so. I love him so. He's so good to me. One more verse. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's so good to me. Amen. The God's pit children say amen. We're in Matthew chapter 8. Verses 23 and 24. The Bible said, And when he, speaking of Jesus, was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. We're again in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 and 24. Read that last verse with me. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now let me... Read verses 25 and 26. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, why are, ye, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And what does the last few words say in this verse? And there was a what? Great calm. I want to preach on when God calms things down. Have you ever been covered up in trouble? Just to feel like God must be asleep? Oh, maybe you know theologically that God does neither sleeps nor slumbers, but it as, is as if he might as well have been asleep because it seems as if you're still covered up after many prayers and many uh, situations that you find yourself in. You ever been there? Many uh, 
many experience uh, calamity in their lives, and it causes a lot of upheaval. Uh, it causes the the winds and the waves of life to to rise up and uh, and throw them around, and it seems as if they they're always in some kind of a struggle and in some kind of a fight to experience the calmness of God in their lives. I believe that Jesus, uh, in fact, I know that Jesus allowed these conditions to be perfectly created to teach both his disciples and us a very valuable lesson about what it looks like to trust God in the midst of a troubled sea. Many of us, it may not be external circumstances, but it might be internal turmoil. I'll never forget one season in my life where uh, I was uh, in great distress for a lengthy period of time in my earlier ministry, and I was uh, calling upon the Lord and asking Him to change my circumstances over and over again. And it seemed that the more I prayed, the worse things got. And one night I went up on a little mountain that I enjoyed going to pray and talk to the Lord. And I like to go in places where I feel close to the Lord. And on a little mountaintop when I'm covered by trees and all I see is the stars, uh, I feel sometimes like Abraham may have felt when he looked up at the stars and God spoke over him. And this particular night I went up on the mountain and I was in great distress like before. And uh, the Holy Spirit so gently turned my words in prayer from Lord change my circumstances to Lord change me. And it wasn't until God calmed the storm in my heart, my mind, my soul, my attitude, my spirit, that he then was able to begin to change the external circumstances of my life. Because you must be able to say, even holding your dead child in your arms, as the lady that went to see the prophet in the Old Testament, it is well with my soul. The calmness that we need starts within. Because if the truth be known, if we do not have calmness of soul, calmness of spirit, if we do not have the fruit of the spirit conquering and overcoming anxiety and fear in our lives, then it does not matter how perfect our external circumstances could be arranged to our favor. We will never be satisfied until our inner soul's longest, deepest desires are met by God Almighty. So when God seeks to calm the raging storms of our life, He seeks first to calm our bitter complaints. He seeks first to hush our ridiculous babblings on about things we know really nothing of. When Job was in the trial of his life, at one point he finally admitted that he had to put his hand to his mouth because he spoke of things he knew nothing about. 
And many times we get in a rage and we get in a fuss and we get angry and we get frustrated and we come to God and we're like David. Our complaint is bitter before the Lord and before the Lord even seeks to answer our prayers God is not going to respond to us like a mature adult would never respond to an immature uh, toddler who does not know what's best for itself. But he first seeks to teach us who he is and what he can do to calm us in our spirit and satisfy the longing of our soul. And then from that position of strength of soul, he can begin to rearrange the things in your life that you need him to rearrange. God, number one, I would like to say, God rises to the occasion. There is no storm too great, internal or external, for God to be able to calm. I'm going to ask uh, John, would you run to my office, and behind my chair sitting on that little cushion on top of that bin is that little metal thing I, was hang I had hanging up on my wall in my office it said something about uh, sailing in high wind. Go get that. I want to use that as an illustration. I forgot to bring it in here. But God rises to the occasion. Because the Bible said in our text that when the disciples called upon the Lord Jesus, the Bible said, and I quote, Then he arose. I'm glad that even when we're immature and I'm glad that even when we're inexperienced, especially because we are of childlike faith, the Lord has pity upon us when we should have known better, when we could have been better. Often God has to respond to that of an infant's cry because we don't even have the intellectual knowledge to be able to communicate with Him on equal terms. Amen, somebody? And so I'm glad that even though the disciples should have had more faith, by this point they should have known what they could have done to help remedy the situation. The Lord nonetheless arose to the occasion. I have in my hand here something that I bought not too long ago at one of these thrift stores here in Thompson, and there's many of them, so I don't remember where I bought it. Uh, and y'all know I like to collect ships. And this one here, it's not a Bible verse, but it struck me. And for, for a little season in my life, I, uh, it, it really uh, spoke to me until the other day, and I'm explain. It says we must free ourselves of the hope that the sea will ever rest. We must learn to sail in high winds. Now, the reason that spoke to me when I first saw it is because I, at the time in my life, I felt like I was sailing in high winds. Does that make sense to you? I felt like that no matter what I tried to do, I could not tidy the ship. So I, it was a survival thing. Everything was moving, everything was shaking, and things still sometimes feel that way because of the transition that the Holy Spirit of God led us to to get us here. And there's still aftermath of the move that we're still having to deal with to this day. But the other day I looked up on my wall and I read that, for the last time I will ever read it on my wall because the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, that's not what my word says. And I was like, okay. The Holy Spirit said, my word says, he maketh the storms a calm so that the waves thereof are still. And so I began immediately to take this off the wall and to put it face down and say, Lord, my new 
And by the way, if anybody wants this, you can have it. That's no longer mine. My new statement is not that I will give up hope that the storm will ever uh, settle, but I will anchor my promise in that verse which says that God maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. You can call me naive if you want to, but I still believe that we have a God that will rise to our occasion and help us in our time of trouble. Somebody shout amen tonight. Then he arose. Note at first in verse 24, the great tempest arose. Let me say this, any time the enemy rises up in your life, God will not be outdone. Amen. Satan made himself high, but God made Satan very low. Stephen, when being stoned to death, said, I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And I want to say to you tonight, to the child of God, that God is going to stand up for you. And I want to, uh, I want to speak hope hope from God's word into your life that God still rises to the occasion. Amen. I want you to see here now a, a description of position versus posture. Position, and I'm talking about Jesus was sleeping, right? And then he arose. So you see uh, we see position and we see posture. Let me explain. Position speaks more to authority and posture speaks more to function or action uh, for an example uh, as a judge is entering into a room it's not his posture that has power but it is his position like we illustrated this morning however because of his position when he is in a standing posture others also stand now a study of the different postures of Christ in the scriptures will teach us more about the different functions that God has authority to operate in our life we see him sleeping we see him seated we see in one text where he's stooping we see in this text where he's standing uh, we see perhaps possibly that in the garden he was praying possibly prostrate, though I can't prove that emphatically. But my point is this, each posture has a power to it, none of which are positions of weakness to God, but positions in which he can aid us better. I'm glad that when we're in a low position that he positions himself to be right alongside us, aren't you? And I'm glad that if I'm in a position where I need him to stand up, that he changes his posture so that his position of authority can better aid me where I'm at. I'm telling you, no matter what posture the Lord has to take to help you out of your dilemma, don't buy into the lie of the devil, that you might as well settle for anxiety, that you might as well settle for lack of peace. Uh, no, 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 that is a lie of the devil and I pray that God calms the storm in your heart and your mind and your soul tonight so that you quit subscribing to the lies of the devil that it's always got to be like that. Uh, Psalm chapter 68 and verse 1. The Bible said this, uh, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered, let them also that hate him flee before him. 
And I say to you tonight, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. When God rises to your situation, in essence, he is changing his posture so that he can exercise his authority to move something in your life that would not move before. And I'm telling you, God knows how to change his posture for you. Amen. Aren't you glad that when I couldn't even reach up to him, uh, that he could reach further down that I could reach up? Aren't you glad for a flexible God? <laughs> he don't just flex for you. He f he's flexible for you. Ah, he can meet your need and he can meet it right where you're at. The storms never bothered him. He walked on top of what frightened everybody else. And God rises to the occasions that we need him to rise to. I'm talking about when God calms things. Not only does God arise to the occasion, but I want to say this. God does, in fact, rebuke the enemy. For Jesus, the Bible said, arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And I believe that this is a principle that you'll find consistent in your walk with God, that as you walk with God, the Bible says that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Wow. And we bite our fingernails and we worry and we fret and we complain and we, uh, we stress over uh, when the devil's persecuting us and and, and when we feel like we're under an attack and, and we feel intimidated sometimes, uh, uh, even I as a preacher sometimes feel intimidated, believe it or not. Uh, but I have learned to trust in my Savior that when I need Him to, He will stand up and look at my enemy and say, Enough is enough. And He will rebuke the winds and the sea on my behalf because I've called on Him and trusted Him. For the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54 and verse number 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So we do not rebuke the enemy because of our righteousness. We rebuke the enemy because of his righteousness. And I'm understanding then uh, that even as the Lord Jesus gave uh, power and authority to his disciples in his earthly ministry to rebuke the devils, to rebuke the devil in, in other people's lives, amen, that he also teaches us by example as he went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. What did Jesus do repeatedly over and over again with the word of God? He rebuked Satan. He corrected the record. When Satan would say one thing that was a lie, Jesus would respond simply with, It is written. And in and of itself, that became the rebuke that Satan needed to get tired of Jesus and flee for a while. And just as God rebukes our enemies, He also teaches us uh, with the word of faith in our own mouth uh, to be able to speak the word of God as Jesus' representative, amen, and learn how to rebuke that devil, learn how to rebuke that storm, learn how to rebuke that situation based upon the fact that you are covered, you are saved, you are sealed, you are blessed, you are bought and paid for, you're a child of the King, 
uh, and the Bible says that he is under our feet. Uh, there is no need for us to have the pooch lip. Uh, there's no need for us to walk in defeat and be discouraged and cast down uh, and downtrodden. The devil is a liar. Uh, there's been many a Wednesday night and many a Sunday morning I get up uh, and I'll be trying to get ready to go to the house of God uh, and a spirit of depression or anxiety would come over me uh, and brother John many times I would learn uh, that that was the strategic timing of the enemy to try to distract me from my mission which is to go into the pulpit and preach the pure word of God from the uh, pure heart of God as, as much, best I could and many times I had to get up uh, like Samson and shake the Philistines off of me many times I'd have to get up before I got to my car and, and speak out loud to the devil I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ uh, I am Jesus Christ's servant I am called to preach and I will preach and you will not discourage me uh, this is the day that the Lord hath made I will rejoice and be glad in it and we must learn to let God rebuke our enemy through our own mouth and many times I would do that and God would give the victory how about that you say that sounds too charismatic for me all right, well, you try it your way, and I'm going to keep doing it the way God taught me. Because it works for me. And it'll work for you, too, because it's in the Bible. Amen. We get too hung up on labels sometimes. God's rebuke cancels out the enemy's threat. Mark chapter 4 and verse 39, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. I'm told that this is one of those Greek words that technically doesn't have any vowels in it. This is the best English translation that uh, they could put in words in the King James translation that if you literally translated it, it would say, Have you ever had God say, Shh. your mothers, have you ever had an infant crying and you go, Shh. you bounce it on your shoulder and pat it on its back and, Shh. and that baby will calm down. You know what God, the Holy Spirit wants to do to you tonight with your troubled mind? Shh. It'll be all right. I'm with you. It's not as bad as the devil's told you. You're in my secret place now. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You're in Jehovah's protective custody. You must learn that there is no mountain too high, no valley too low, no devil too big, amen, no debt too, uh, too stout that, that where God can't help you out of your dilemma. You must learn to accept his peace in your soul. Oh, the things that are set in order when God commands stillness. Here Jesus told the water to be still, but at the Red Sea he told his people to be still. Maybe we're praying that God would still our circumstances and God's trying to steal us. 
You know how we do. We get in a frantic and we go to trying to put all the pieces together. We go into overdrive mode and try to fix it ourselves. And we get in a raging and a huff and a puff. And, and we let our emotions take over. And next thing you know, we're saying things or, or we're, uh, we're, we're spouting off at the mouth. And we're taking command of things. And, and really, we're just uh, backlashing because we really are so frustrated with ourselves that we don't know what the real solution is. So we're just taking stabs at it. And we're missing most of the right opportunity to fix it correctly. And God is just like, if you will stand still, you will see the salvation of the Lord. I've often been driven over the years to, and been tempted to act when everyone else is still. It drives me insane as a pastor to see full potential in people that is wasted because of inaction. And the natural mind, Brother John, is to do, do, do. Get up and do something for God. Don't just sit there. And I translate that into my own personal life when I have problems bigger than I can handle. Instead of going to the Lord, often I try to come up with a solution on my own. i got to do something. And I've learned the value. Or I, let, me, let me rephrase that. I am currently learning the value of what it means to stand still. God is saying there are times in your life that there's absolutely nothing you either can or should do to help yourself out of your dilemma other than trust me and watch and wait. Why do we so quickly take matters into our own hands only to make the situation ten times worse than it was to start with? And the Lord is saying, shh, calm down now. I've got this. Here, his presence demands reverence and order. The Bible said the wind ceased. And your enemy will cease to be a problem when God calms your storm. God rises to the occasion. God rebukes the enemy. And lastly, God does, in fact, get around to rearranging things in his own time, in his own way, for his own purpose, and believe it or not, for your good. You say, well, I didn't like the way he did it. Well, first, he don't have to ask permission. And secondly, daddy does know best. Anytime I have ever come around to understand what God was doing, I've always been proven foolish in my early assumptions. And God has always proven wise in the way he rearranged things. Many of us say, well, the Lord lives at my house, but we won't let him even rearrange the furniture. Amen. You ever had somebody over as a guest say, make yourself at home? Well, you're, you're only comfortable with that up to a certain level. Because when they start moving the furniture around, moving into your bedroom and telling you to move into the other bedroom, Houston, we have a problem, right? And, and what a lot of times we mistakenly think is that our current arrangement is the calm we're looking for. 
and that if God comes in and turns it all around on us, that it's going to be chaos. I can't wrap my head around what you're asking me to do, God. I can't wrap my head around why we're going through this sea right in the middle of a storm. You could have picked a sunshiny day. I can't wrap my head around your plan, and we're thinking that God is bringing us into chaos, and we prefer our messed up, confused arrangement over what God is doing, which is unknown to us right at the moment. Not knowing that God's bringing us into a much better place that's beyond our current understanding God rearranges things and there will be a great calm when he does it he leadeth me oh blessed thought oh words with heavenly comfort wrought y'all remember that where'er I be I might have messed it up where'er I be Yet tis God's hand that leadeth me. See, he's leading us. What does, what does the psalmist David say he's leading us? There you go. And what else? Green pastures. Green pastures. God may allow temporary... Uh, discomforts to bring us to an ultimately much better place than we ever dreamt possible if we'll just follow the voice of the shepherd yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death yea though he leads me through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death amen because that's in fact what he's doing amen but I'm gonna be okay because thou art with me Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So God sometimes sends the storm so that he can rearrange our lives in much more a beautiful array of his glory than we ever thought possible. Verse 24, there was a great tempest. Verse 26, there was a great calm. Your victory will be as, at least as proportionate as your trouble ever was. Isn't that good? Job 42.10 said, uh, uh, The Lord, this is Job, The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Never make the mistake of thinking that God's route is intended for your destruction. It is intended for His glory and your good to work together so I got to conclude my conclusion is simply to tell you to flee into his presence in verse 25 the Bible says his disciples came to him they at least they knew who to go to often we want to speak as Jesus spoke and get the same results he did but remember we are not replacing Jesus we are simply representing him in fact, when we represent him by speaking his word, we actually present him to our situation. Or in other words, we usher in his presence on the scene. Jonah got in trouble because he ran from God's presence. The only thing that fixed it was to get back in God's presence. 
Jonah 1.12 said, He said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. What if your external tempest is only a direct reflection of your internal turmoil? Because is it not when we doubt God, when we fret, when we worry that we give foot to the devil, give place to the devil, give him a foothold. So our responsibility is to rush into the presence of God, let him calm us. And then we will have the mental and spiritual fortitude and strength of heart to start trusting his word again. And when we start trusting his word again, he's got something to work with because he said without faith it's impossible to please him. But it also said, but with God that nothing shall be impossible. So we must allow God to calm the storm within if we ever expect him to lead us in a green pasture.